You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. I hope you're having a great week. I hope you are enjoying the uh, first half of this quite hot summer we're having. I wish we were back to our normal schedule of events. We are still in a restricted schedule, as you know. But we're going to make it through this, and we're going to be stronger for it. Uh, tonight, I want to take a few moments and talk about the process, how we, we fight for our faith. Now, what I mean by that is uh, getting stronger in faith is a process, and when we find ourselves growing weaker through faith, that also is a process. Um, as believers, we want to grow as strong as possible, and yet we're quite aware that we live in a world of distractions. We're quite aware that we have a host of responsibilities in our life, um, and we are quite aware, because the Bible teaches us so, that there is a nature within us that will war against the kingdom of heaven, war against the things of the Spirit. Now, last week, I did a Bible study uh, talking about a practical guide to spiritual warfare. I'm going to continue in that theme this week, but I am going to attempt to make it more personal, to bring it home to where we are living. Let me remind you of a story you know very well. This is in Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal son, and I'm going to read it in the message translation. Uh, then Jesus said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided his property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. So this story of the prodigal son is one of the most famous backslider stories that you probably have heard if you spent much time in, in churches. Um, this is, of course, a parable told by Jesus that gives us insight to uh, how we can miss it, uh, how we can lose our way, how we can, to use more modern church-style language, how we can backslide. And at the same time, this story will give us insight into how this man, this young man, comes back to a, a place of, of relationship uh, with his father. So let's see this as a process. Um, further, let's try to consider this story as it would have been heard by the listeners who were there. Now remember, uh, Jesus is speaking indirectly to us. <clears throat> he is speaking directly to the people who were in that moment with him. We hear these words. We see this story, but it's kind of over the shoulder of history. We see Jesus speaking to them. And as a Bible student, I am quite focused on how they would have heard it and how they would have understood it. Um, I think we can sometimes lead ourselves astray by reading uh, biblical passages with modern, modern minds. Uh, we hear it as it's been preached uh, in our youth, say. Uh, if you went to a uh, religious college like I did uh, and you studied these things and, and actually pursued a degree in these things, 
um, you have this tendency, I have this tendency, to hear it as I've been taught. And I, I think that's good, and it's certainly helpful um, in many ways, but there is a risk to it too. And that is, I do not pursue, I do not seek, I do not search. I just am satisfied with other people's thoughts. Um, remember, the New Testament is an invitation to a relationship. Uh, it's, it's, it's not primarily an invitation to a, a formula or a dogma or even a theological position. It is an invitation to a relationship. Um, the whole accomplishment of the Reformation, where groups of believers came out from under the, the control of the Roman Catholic hierarchy. The whole point of that, the whole accomplishment of that, uh, is directly built upon the fact that people should be able to pursue God. Uh, people should be able to seek. They should be able to ask. They should be able to knock. Because the legacy of the Roman Catholic Church uh, was that they weren't, that people should kind of be protected from these scriptures. If people don't understand, um, then what they do is they end up in confusion. Um, I think, I think that's the point of the scripture, not to end up in confusion, but to be able to pursue. You see, uh, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. These are themes you've heard me teaching on lately. Um, and we are invited to pursue him as a way of life. We are, we're invited to pursue him as a spiritual, uh, doctrinal, a religious truth. And so that's what I'm going to try to do here. Uh, see this prodigal son <clears throat> as he turns away from his father. Now, in the era in which this story is told, it was lawful for a son, a second son, to ask for his inheritance early. You can actually read about this, Deuteronomy chapter number 21. Uh, a younger son could ask. Um, he was given half what the eldest brother, eldest brother was. And it was certainly legal for him to ask for his share um, and then to either sell it or sell it to the elder brother, who, whatever reason, uh, and to try to go and do a different venture. Uh, maybe he didn't have a good relationship with his older brother. That's 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 not uncommon. Uh, maybe he didn't. It wasn't it wasn't illegal. But for the father, it would have been heartbreaking, because fathers want their children to get along. Fathers want their children to be um, tender toward one another, kind to one another, <clears throat> to see each other's flaws, but to see beyond each other's flaws. And that's really the hard work of being in a family. Um, in a family, you see each other's flaws, yes, but can you see beyond each other's flaws? That's the challenge. Uh, that's true in a local church. You do life with someone, you do ministry with someone, you'll see their flaws. Um, people on my pastoral team see my flaws. I wish they didn't. I wish I didn't have them. I wish I could hide them. Um, but they see my flaws. I see their flaws. The issue is not can you be critical? The issue is the issue is can you see the good in God's chosen? Can you see the good in their anointing? Can you see the good in their abilities? And that's what's hard for us, not to see the flaws, but to see beyond the flaws. Now, this younger brother, uh, he chose to go his own way. Uh, he didn't want to have his uh, investment in the family. He wanted to do his own thing. It wasn't illegal, but it was heartbreaking for the father. 
um, he would not have been lost at this moment. You see, back to that issue of modern ears and modern minds, us church members nowadays, we tend to think everything in terms of saved and lost. That was not how the Jewish hearers of the day would have perceived this. To a Jew, they, they're not really comfortable with this idea of lost. Um, what do you mean I'm lost? I'm a son of Abraham. Uh, I'm part of a covenant. Uh, there's not saved or lost. There is pleasing God or not pleasing God. Um, there is a life of blessing or a life of suffering. <laughs> but what do you mean by lost? Now, once you understand that to the ears of the Jewish hearer, it actually helps you to understand a lot of things that Jesus says. It helps you understand how he is continually inviting people to pursue the, to perceive the kingdom of God, to, to pursue um, heaven's values, uh, not simply to have civic authority here on earth or to cast off the power of the Roman Empire. It helps you understand. They would not have thought of this moment as the younger son being lost, but they would have understood the sadness, particularly if they were fathers. They would have understood the sadness of this moment. So this prodigal son goes through steps. I want to show these to you. The first thing um, is his desire to uh, separate, which, although not illegal, is uh, sad to the father. And uh, let, me, let me also point out, there is an inherent selfishness in it. Um, again, not illegal, but breaking the heart of the father. So there's a selfishness. I want what is mine now. <clears throat> I think I can do better with it than uh, you can, Dad. <laughs> uh, there's a selfishness to it. Secondly, there's a separation to it. What does he do? He goes to a distant country. He's done with his family. He's done with his church. He wants to do his own thing. Thirdly, um, there is this, this, uh, this senselessness to it. I want, uh, you know, I want what is mine now, selfish. I'm leaving this outfit. <laughs> separated and there's this senseless he for what how, however he has come of age he has not learned wisdom he has not learned probity he has not learned discipline what he has learned is this senseless pursuit of uh, carnal fleshly indulgent living and he wastes everything and then um, finally the fourth thing is that he finds himself starving He's lost everything, and the result is that he is starving. So it started with selfishness, give me what is mine now, then led to separation. I don't want anything to do with the family, the father, or my brother. <laughs> Thirdly, I'm going to pursue this life, live for the moment, it's senseless. And then lastly, uh, he ends up starving. Now this is a picture in many ways of how a person loses their place. And if we look at this spiritually, you can see how it's the story of a backslider. He, over time, makes a series of decisions that end up with his life becoming a wreck. Uh, all of us, all of us can follow in that path. Um, I, one of the things I've hated about this um, COVID-19 situation is the issue of being separated one from, ano one from another. And uh, it's something our, our leadership team has We've pounded on every week. Who are we? Who can we contact? Who can we reach out to? Um, if we see separation in the life of the prodigal, it played its part. 
we have to watch out for separation. Those of you who, um, because of your health, are isolated from other believers, please, please make sure you're connecting with us th- remotely. Please don't just not have this. You need to know how the Spirit is speaking in our community, in the lives of your brothers and sisters. Uh, please connect uh, in this way. Uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir, and if you're watching this, you're connecting, but let's be an advocate for that connection also. Um, the prodigal son <clears throat> made errors of selfishness. This is the daily temptation of all of us. Will we live for ourselves, or will we pursue the kingdom of God? Um, and of course, senselessness, uh, the w- riotous living, wasteful living, and finally, spiritually starving, and in the case of the prodigal, literally starving. Now, that's how he lost his faith. You want to talk about breaking your faith? This is how he broke his faith. Um, Now, coming back is a process, too. Um, All of this shows us the actual living out of, of the spiritual and the carnal in our life, this battle, this battle between the invitation to be a part of the kingdom of heaven and an invitation to kind of serve ourselves and live after ourselves. So uh, just as there were four sequential uh, choices that ended the prodigal son where he was, you also see in the story, and this is not an accident, this is intentional, Jesus weaves it in the story for this very purpose. And this is why you've heard the prodigal son referred to Uh, so much in churches as the story of the backslider, the story of falling away from God and being returned to uh, the presence of God, the house of God. Um, The first thing he does, now remember the process first. First, he became very selfish. Secondly, um, he separated himself. Thirdly, he started living in a senseless manner. And finally, he ends up starving. Now, yes, that is four S's, uh, but it's to help you remember Uh, after this is going to come this return, this awakening within him. And just as we define those four steps as four S's, we're going to define the four steps of uh, him returning as four R's. And this is just to help us all remember it. First of all, uh, verse number 17, the Bible says, he came to himself. Let's call this realization. He woke up to the fact that he had lost his faith. He had broken a relationship. He had broken his faith. He had made a series of bad decisions. The reality is until people come to themselves, they're not going to come to God because you have to understand where you are before you can see that Christ is the way for you to be restored. Uh, You have to see where you are. When he came to himself, he woke up. He realized what he had done. In terms of spiritual warfare and praying for loved ones, lost loved ones, lost friends, really the first prayer we pray is, Lord, let them wake up to where they are and what they're choosing. Uh, We can't choose for them. Uh, We can't repent for them. We can't be baptized for them. (laughs) We can't host the presence of the Lord for them. Uh, All we can do is pray for their awakening. Open the eyes of their heart. Open the eyes of their understanding. The Spirit of the Lord will not force 
God will not force himself upon anyone. Uh, they have to awaken. They have to open their eyes and their, their understanding. So once they wake up to this, once their understanding is given to them, now a process can begin of restoration uh, in, their, in their life. Um, I pray for all the ones who are not where they should be, almost on a daily basis that I know in our church, uh, that I know through family. Um, I don't necessarily call their names out. That would be a long list. Some days I try to do that, but uh, most days uh, there's this, this hunger within me to see them brought to a moment of change, um, a moment of realization. And so <clears throat> if you have someone you're praying for, that's, that's where all prayer starts right there. Lord, uh, let, let the circumstances in their life, the events of their day-to-day existence, let it in some way serve as a wake-up call, a spiritual alarm clock, so to speak, to wake them up, uh, let them realize their need for for you. So after the prodigal son has this realization, which is step number one, uh, the next thing he does is he says, I have sinned against heaven. Um, this is a this is so interesting because he doesn't he doesn't necessarily just say, I've sinned against my father or my brother. This isn't a realiz- this is a realization that God never intended him for this kind of life. God had created him with purpose and God had created him with place. God had given him spiritual identity. How do we receive identity through our Father? And <laughs> um, you see this moment in his life. I've sinned against heaven. This is this is truly the breakthrough. Uh, in in his life, and this is why this is why heaven rejoices when one sinner repent, repents, uh, but because it's the realization that I am a created being, I'm not accidental, I'm not random, <laughs> and there is purpose for me, and there is spiritual order, and I'm back to placing God on the throne of my life. He repents. So the first thing he did, he woke up, he realized that's the first R. The second R, he repents. Uh, he he has this understanding I have sinned against heaven. Now, having understood and having repented, what's left for him to do is to return. Now, this is the opposite of the isolation that happened before. He returns, he arose, the Bible says, and he came to his father. And so the return is the third step that happens in his life. And then when he meets his father, uh, he is restored. And this is the fourth R. Uh, he is restored to his place, not as a servant, but as a son. How do we see that? The father puts a ring on his hand. Now this, in the ears of the hearers of this time, would understand that a servant would never be given the ring like a son would. The servant has place, uh, in a, as it were, a family, but they don't have the place of the son. And that is the point of placing the ring on his feet. I receive you back, not as a servant. I receive you back as a son. This is what has happened to us between the old covenant and the new covenant, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We who are afar off have been brought near through a spirit of adoption, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the and, and that, that is manifest even now in the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the demonstration of God's 
adoption of us. We are no longer servants. This is why you should not serve your life through duty. Duty is not getting you anywhere. You should serve your life through worship. That's why you need to pursue the presence of God on your life. That's why you need a prayer, a prayer life. You see, if I, as a pastor, give you a bunch of things you ought to do, it may be helpful to you, but it's not worship. It's, it's obedience. And you can go through the scripture and you can find all, particularly the Old Testament passages where obedience is an honorable thing and a good thing. And yes, it is. Um, you can find your favorite passages on how obedience is, uh, pleases God. Yes, all that's good, but don't miss the point. The point of our life is not obedience. That's an Old Testament concept. The point of our life is worship. We are no longer no longer servants of duty. We are sons and daughters of opportunity. And so we all of us fight for this on a day-to-day basis against the things of the world that distract us and the ways of the flesh that resist us. We fight for our place. Uh, It's not a place of salvation. It's a place of spiritual effectiveness where we are, first of all, we are right with God. We are living repentant, lives. We have had spiritual understanding given to us. We understand God is in heaven. You are on earth. We understand that his way is is holy and right and his path is glorious and true. We get that and we choose that. Um, And so having lived lives of repentance, we first was understanding repentance. Now there is this right relationship with God. And when we have that, we have the seal of his authority upon us, the ring on the finger of the sun. We have the celebration of right relationship. They throw a party. My son has returned. This is right relationship. And so practical spiritual warfare in the lives of backsliders looks exactly like this. These are the stages they go through, and this is the stages, the stages of their loss. Uh, or, 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 I mean, say, let me say that a better way. The stages of their removal from the presence of God, their rejection of the Father, and the stages of their spiritual return, their restoration to, to the Father. And so this is shown in this parable of, <clears throat> uh, of the, the, the Scripture. I want to show you how Jesus manifests not just the redemptive heart of God. That's the work of the Son. Jesus Christ was crucified for us. When we say Son, what do we refer to? The manifest flesh of God in Jesus Christ. But He is not simply an entity, uh, you know, (laughs) isolated. In Him is all the fullness of God. So He is demonstrating the heart of the Father. This is why, this is why, And I'm deeply convinced of this. This is why uh, when Jesus eats with sinners, it's not a statement of his character. He likes sinners. He, he, He gets along with sinners. It's a statement of the father heart of God. What am I talking about? Let me read one scripture to you. Uh, Luke 15, verse number, verse number two. What I'm doing now, I'm still uh, in Luke 15. I've just backed up to what has happened right before Jesus has told this story. Do you see? It's still the story of the prodigal. Now, why did Jesus tell it in this moment? 
I'll read this passage to you. Verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That's what the critics are saying. And Jesus tells the story of the prodigal. The Father heart of God is always going to rejoice as people return to relationship with Him. The Father heart of God is always going to throw a party. There's always going to be a spirit of adoption. (laughs) That's Paul's phrase, but I love it. Uh, That is manifest. The angels of heaven are always going to perceive the heart of God and rejoice when He rejoices. Why do they do that? Because they don't see Him through faith like we do. They don't struggle with the fallen nature like we do. So they rejoice knowing the Father heart of God when God rejoices. See, and this is when, when does the Father rejoice in the story? When the Son comes back, He rejoices at repentance. He rejoices at repentance and all the host of heaven rejoices with Him. This is the point of the heavenly party. This is the point of the Father throwing up a party when his son has his son has returned. So, real quick, let me let me try to wrap this up and and apply it to us. So, as we are losing faith and we have to fight for our faith, it's going to look like we become increasingly selfish. This is practical spiritual warfare. I'm sorry I don't have a a, a fork-tailed devil here to show you. <laughs> I'll check my kids' toy closet. Maybe I'll have one here in a moment. This is practical, real-world, day-to-day spiritual warfare. What happens as we are breaking faith? We are losing our place. We become increasingly selfish. What do we want? What are our wishes? What are our desires? And then we become increasingly separated. Our prayer life begins to slip. Church seems like a duty and not a place of worship. If church is a duty and not a place of worship, problem's not the church, problem's you. You have lost what it means. Uh, Let me not get sidetracked. The next thing that's happened is we're going to start making increasingly nonsensical decisions in our life. They will make sense to the flesh. Let's have a party, the prodigal son says. Let's bring all the beautiful people, the prodigal son says. Let's waste it all. Maybe they'll be our friends when we're broke. We make a series of spiritually dumb decisions. And we end up spiritually starving. How do we get back? The first thing we have to do is wake up to what we've done. Quit seeing through eyes of the flesh. Start seeing through eyes of the spirit. Start asking our, stop asking ourselves what's best for the flesh and asking ourselves what is good for the spirit. We wake up, we realize. Then, repentance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have sinned against heaven. And so... The third thing that happens to us is we return to fellowship with God and fellowship with the church of God. We return, and then finally we are restored to a place of sonship, spiritual authority, divine representation, the ambassadorial role of manifesting the heart of God to to the world. And so uh, there is a lot in this beautiful story. I've given you a kind of a, thir- a view from 30,000 feet here, um, but this is the real day-to-day practical work of keeping faith, growing faith, strengthening faith, or breaking our faith, weakening our faith, straying, <clears throat> becoming increasingly self-centered, increasingly uh, uh, separated and increasingly 
bad decisions, dumb decisions, nonsensical, and then spiritually starving. Let's not settle for that. Let's, let's wake up to the reality of our souls. Our souls have needs that are more than how much money's in the bank and whether or not you have a good vacation planned. Our souls have needs. How are you doing in the care and feeding of your soul? Now, <clears throat> having woke up, repent. <laughs> uh, return in the separation. Be restored in your faith. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help each one of us uh, to grow in our faith, to build our faith, to recognize how selfishness wars against the spiritual in our life, to, to understand how separation fills us um, with the cares that are really not the inheritance from you and your house, but they are the desires of our own hearts. Lord, awaken us to this truth that we might repent, that we might be uh, returned to fellowship with you and uh, with brothers and sisters, and that we might be restored to our place of being a child of God. Lord, I pray for every uh, lost loved one uh, that is not walking in faith. I pray for every member of our church who perhaps one, at one time they had a great relationship with you, but it just they, it took it just took a, a wrong turn, and and now they're far from you. <clears throat> Lord, wake them up. We can't decide for them. We can't repent for them, but we can pray for a spiritual awakening in their life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you. Two services Sunday, uh, 9.15 a.m. and 11 a.m. They're going back to two services. There's plenty of room to social distance. Uh, you can stay six feet away from, uh, from anybody just by picking your seat, sitting with your family. We love you. Have a great week. God bless. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.